Hello and welcome to episode four of the CMO's Guide to China Marketing. My name's Stephen. I'm Mike. And every month, Mike and I take a deep dive into all things China marketing that we think you, as international CMOs and marketeers, need to know to help boost your China growth. Usually, we start with the China dumplings, which is an overview of all the interesting news and opinions we've seen during the last three or four weeks. But we're going to do something a little bit different this time because it's the beginning of the new year, and we're going to go through our top predictions that we think are going to be the trends for 2021 China marketing. But first, Mike, 2020, interesting year to run a business. What do you mean by that, Stephen? <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> There was one or two things that may have happened, and particularly in China, that might have impacted on quite a few of our listeners and their brands. I loved being locked at home for 14 days. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, you did the actual proper full-on. We were in quarantine, quarantine didn't yeah, you? Yeah. We came back from the UK. We were in quarantine. There was a police sensor on the door, and they kind of stopped by every day to check our temperatures. So, well, it was effective. Yeah, I'd say that. I I got to say, obviously, I'm a Brit, and it's a mess back in the UK at the moment. I think it's fair to say, but. Having been here all the way through,、um, we had six weeks of significant lockdown, which everybody played their part in. The, the delivery guys were absolute heroes, and after that, I was back in the office. I was back in the gym, the restaurants, bars, everything was opening, and there was almost like a, a, a cautious optimism, which I think we're still getting here in China at the moment. I think、uh, yeah, we've been back at work, so Shanghai's situation normal-ish.、Yeah. Let's say, I、yeah. mean, people are still. Pretty masked up, and they've just raised the level a little bit. So they've started taking temperature again at some major buildings. So、yeah. I know, you know, they're tracking everyone and everything very carefully here. Yeah, and it's almost kind of builds confidence in that, in that they're kind of taking the time to do that. Okay, so. 2020 is in the past. We're seeing some significant focus now on China. I think largely because of the situation around the world, and a lot of our clients are really focusing and drilling down on their China business too, which is which is good. Um, we're going to take this opportunity to drive straight into some predictions for China 2021. My first. Prediction, and I'm looking forward to hearing what Mike thinks about this. I think we are going to see an increasing move towards agile marketing, and I think that is going to be based on a lot of the experiences that brands had in 2020. So, what I mean by agile marketing is, I mean the ability to pivot quickly, to react to your customers quickly, and address the shifting changes of the market quickly. Um, Deloitte had a really interesting study out、um, towards the end of last year, where they were talking about agile marketing and some of the stats that they put to kind of illustrate what we're talking about. Of the two and a half thousand global consumers who were surveyed,、uh, almost sixty percent were able to name a brand that was that pivoted quickly and was agile in the marketing last year, reacting to quote unquote a new normal. And of those that responded, over eighty percent said they were more inclined to do business with a brand that showed those capabilities. There's three aspects, I think, to this that make for an effective agile marketing organization. The first being it's imperative to have a really clear picture of your market, 
and and part of that is having a single customer data platform that your entire organization can access to. The data really has to flow freely throughout your organization through all departments. And I think this links in nicely to some of the projects we've worked in from a customer insight point of view, which we spoke about in a recent podcast dedicated to effective China insight research. And it comes back to what our colleagues in our Boston office, Matt, Chris, and Tracy are pioneering with their data conscious approach to brand strategy. So Mike, interested to get your input here. Let's start with just the overall thing. What's your take on agile marketing and how it relates to China? I think agile marketing is nothing new. Mm -hmm. It's just a pain to do because (laughs) no one wants to change their plan every three months. Sure. But it's the right thing to do. So I think it's always been around and very agile companies have always been quick to the gun or quick to fire and, and agencies have been fast that can keep up with them or lead them. Um, in China, it's usually been, here's our year budget and our year plan. Let's follow that. And we'll talk to you next year. Mm-hmm. And especially with the speed of China, social media, Douyin and little red book and all of those changes that we've had and WeChat changes, it has to be faster. So at least a quarterly update. Or faster for sure during covid people moved very fast especially in the b2b world here to switch to let's say virtual programming and webinars so webinars really took off and we finally saw those being embraced by b2b sure i think one interesting aspect to this is the need for having such a a detailed map of the customer experience even down to the devices that customers are using to sure to So if if we're talking about um, agile marketing, you know, if we focus on the consumer or the customer first, then the rest all makes sense. And we can pivot around that circle. If they're the bullseye and we're just getting closer and closer, we can we can do it that way. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're going to take some budget and take it away from our WeChat moments ads and put it into some doing video creation. That's a tactical change. It's not a huge strategic shift if we're still focusing on the same consumer or target audience. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. So it's sort of being agile at a tactical level, but perhaps not necessarily at a strategic level. And like you said, that means we have to understand our target audience. Mm -hmm. We always talk about this. I know it's kind of beating a dead horse in a way, but it's amazing how many people don't understand their target audience. Yeah, for sure. And we've said you don't need to do a huge nationwide research project unless that's your entire target and you've got a massive budget. You can really get away with very focused insight research. And like you said, our colleagues in the U.S. are fantastic at leading this globally, and we follow their methodology as well. One of the things that that leads me next to nicely, and part of being agile is being able to anticipate the conversation. And that involves a great deal of social listening. Now, this is something that I think has been a little bit woolly, a little bit vague, a little bit smoke and mirrors in the past, but it's hard to argue that now with the onset of AI and machine learning, some of the tools that are available to marketers to be able to anticipate social media conversations, for example, are improving rapidly and will really tap into this theme of being more agile in 2021. For me though, because China is such a unique social media ecosystem, I think that's a real challenge for China marketers. It's always been challenging here, especially with some of the closed platforms such as WeChat, um, but there are these fantastic tools coming out now. So for example, my friend Max at Rehub, he has this uh, machine 
learning and natural language processing suite of tools that they use to cool. listen into conversations, to look at sales figures, to put everything together and pull out millions of data points, process it, and come up with recommendations, come up with brand positioning and sentiment um, across like different product lines. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think incorporating these type of tools along with your insight research will help you define which strategy and tactics make sense to you. Sure. So then the third pillar I wanted to chat through with you then is embracing a social CRM. So using your social media channels for managing the relationship with your customer. Um, I think this is, this is kind of really interesting and it's companies are starting to realize all these additional touch points and the value of being able to manage that positive relationship with customers across all of these channels. But then that also leads then, is there the opportunity to tap into that and create private traffic? And do you see private traffic as a big marketing trend for 2021? For sure, it's about omni-channel, especially with retail brands. So what touch points do we have? How do we reach them? Um, are they using WeChat to reach them? And if that's the case, WeChat doesn't come with its own CRM system. Mm -hmm. So you jumped into and talked about social CRM. Um, we can just talk about CRM, to be honest. You know, are people tracking, are brands tracking their customers across all of these touch points? And I would say not really. So for example, here in China, if we're talking about omnichannel for a B2B business, we're talking about WeChat, we're talking about their website, uh, we're talking about their sales team and the experience that they're offering. We're talking about trade shows, how to incorporate all of these things and understand who the customer is, where they're coming from, and what we're going to talk with them about. Mm -hmm. So this is an example. And there are some other great tools that help you do that. Not just social CRMs, but let's say CRMs. Uh, and also incorporating Salesforce and HubSpot and things like this. Some of it works better in China than others. And some of the Western brands really try to shoehorn like a HubSpot, for example, into a Chinese system, and it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. It's hard, especially yeah. with the different user behavior. So I think understanding where your customers are and across the omni-channel, which platforms to use is crucial. You mentioned uh, private traffic, so uh -huh. not everyone knows what that is. Maybe I, I think it's, for example, if you have a WeChat closed group yeah. or several or a lot of closed groups, and you're bringing customers into those groups yeah. and talking with them individually across each group or even using a chatbot yeah. to engage with them. Absolutely. So instead of being part of a, an official account where it's a one-way news feed towards you, it's you feel like you're in a conversation, even if it's machine run. Yeah. And I think it also gives you the opportunity to cut costs as well. You're not, reply, you're not relying on third parties to target your customers. You can post your content directly into these private groups if you want to. A lot of it comes from retail space. So if you go to Acne Studios, um, right now the Acne Studio guy has me in his WeChat. He's put me in a group and he's sending me the, the most recent cool fashion things. Um, actually, it's my my wife who I purchased <laughs> for. So I'm not sure how, how clickable it is to me. Um, but also about this private traffic stuff, we haven't seen tons of examples where yeah. it's been super successful. Everyone talks about Perfect Diary. It's a cosmetic brand that's done it very successfully. Um, but everyone's using the same example. So I'd love to see where that might be used in other spaces, such as in B2B or yeah. other, let's say, more complex spaces, and if it really works there. Okay. So this might just be a buzzword at the moment. That It's definitely a buzzword. I'm not sure everyone even knows what it means when they talk <laughs> about it. So. 
Cool. We'll, we'll keep trying. Cool. So one that I, I saw, Stephen, that's obvious, but there's always digital channel shifts yeah. in China. Everything's changing. Sure. Um, one thing, you know, the rise of TikTok or Douyin, as they call it here, it's the same brand. It's a slightly different here. It's the Chinese version. Um, just like in the U.S. and other places, short video has gone crazy. Um, WeChat channels has their own short video. Kwai Show is another short video. So everyone's battling over the short video space. And I think for bands, they should be getting into it if it makes sense for them, mm -hmm. if that's where their target audience is. And this takes a bit of a shift of perception from a long range planning thing to being able to move quickly uh, and pragmatically to get out content quickly. Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned the live streaming because I've seen a lot of kind of noise around how you can link your live streaming directly to your e-commerce platforms and talking about how the technology is developing where you can actually embed links in the video or embed links in the live stream so people can sort of go straight to a point of purchase without leaving the live stream. I think that's going to be fascinating to see how that evolves. And, and I think that's connected to where those e-commerce stores are going to be. Yep. So a lot of the channels are opening, allowing you to open your own e-commerce store and do social commerce directly. <laughs> Others are working with, let's say, uh, Alibaba to to direct you to a Tmall or a Taobao store. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, if we have fewer barriers to purchase, the easier it is for the consumer. And the technology is there. Yeah. It's just a matter of making the right deal so that it's easier for the consumers. Okay, prediction number three, um, fusion, cross-industry cross partnerships. This is something I think we're going to be seeing more of in China throughout 2021 as a way of maximizing the impact and return on investment of marketing spend here. So let me give an example of how this has worked in practice from 2020. And a great China example for this is ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil worked with a global tech giant and with some local car care brands and organizations to create a whole new car care ecosystem, sort of digitally enabled car maintenance system, if you like, in that customers who signed up for the service received notifications when their car was due a service. They could book maintenance, repairs and services via the ecosystem for their car. And of course, the companies involved had access to the target audience in order to promote their messaging and, and sell their products. So in a market that can be as complicated as China, this is something I can see being really effective for lots of different organizations as we move into 2021. Mike, any thoughts? One is that Chinese consumers expect everything to be smooth. Mm -hmm. So the days of they'll take whatever you're going to give them are long gone. They expect perfect service perfect aftercare service, everything. And the technology and the platforms around that have to match it. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you order from Zara here, um, it arrives the same day. And if you don't like it, you can return it or you can walk to any store and return it. It's all aligned on the, on the back end with their technology and everything. So people expect a smooth experience. So I think for me, that's a big takeaway. Mm -hmm. So are you saying then that it's in theory, it's a good idea, but there's a risk for the brands to be involved because if one element of the partnership lets down, everybody's sort of tarred with the same brush? I think in any, any type of brand tie-up, 
you're using some power of the other brand as well as the risk. Okay. So the other day I saw uh, Crocs, the shoe brand, did the tie up with Kentucky Fried Chicken. I so saw that. A, yeah, I saw that too. A Crocs that smells like Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's great. Um, if anything happens with Kentucky Fried Chicken or with Crocs, the other brand may, the, the least, the lesser of the two brands uh, may face some consequence from that. So you definitely have to be careful. Speaking of fusion, Stephen, I don't know if you noticed that I'm rocking this super awesome Chinese style coat. I, uh, I did see you put it on and I was surprised you were getting dressed up for me, to be perfectly honest, but it's, it's, it's cool. It looks it's great. the first time. <laughs> so... Yeah, this is a, it's a Chinese style, but it's by a French designer. Uh, my friend Felicier, her brand is called Chinois. And this is an awesome mashup. You've got a French touch to actually traditional uh, sewing and weaving of these beautiful uh, products. So I would definitely go check out Chinois uh, if you're in, around Shanghai. Very cool. And it definitely suits you more than KFC-inspired Crocs. Um, we'll put a picture of Mike's excellent jacket on our social media when this goes live. Another prediction, which is an easy one, is just the rise of key opinion leaders and influencers. Yeah. Of course, they've always been part of the digital marketing scene here. But during COVID, even more. Yeah. And we could see brands really shifting towards using more influencers to sell their products. And their prices went up. Of course. <laughs> so KOL prices are through the roof. Um, of course, the, the successful ones are great. You get these very famous people selling uh, lipstick and stuff, and they will sell a ton of it if they're interested in the brand and they get the right cut from it. It's going to be very expensive for you, though. If you're a small brand and you're looking for smaller influencers, you have to be very careful. You really have to vet them because there's so much fakery here that it's easy to get fooled and spend a lot of money and not get much ROI from that. Up in um, Beijing, they were advertising for some Western influencers recently to experience the the high-speed train to the Olympic site and some of the hotels. And, and they were offering a decent package. I've got to admit, I was tempted. You myself. should have gone for it. <laughs> You're my favorite influencer, Stephen. <laughs> so, for example, I think for B2B, a prediction is that there's going to be not necessarily influencers or KOL. Usually it's a trade media. Yeah. But there, there might be groups of people that start to put together more influential channels that can be used. So mm -hmm. not exactly influencers, but more like news or media channels, but run by groups. Okay. So that's definitely something that's going to be more and more of, I think. Interesting. Final prediction for us to, to go through for this episode of the podcast is trade shows. Trade shows are back, but there's a considerable caveat that comes with that. So even as of November, I think, particularly here in Shanghai, we started to see some big international trade shows being scheduled and, and taking place. And they were quite unique, though, in terms of who was attending and who could make it out here. Mike, is that fair to say? Right, because it was all Chinese people. Yeah. There are no international visitors, except for people that were already here. Yeah. Or in the special case of the government-run exhibition, that they were allowed to come for the exhibition. But we had a few of our team members at a trade show last month, yeah. China Coat yeah. for the chemical coatings exhibition in Guangzhou, full support, full house, running seminars, running webinars from there, and very effective. It's back on. Yeah. 
yeah, the, the results from what the team put in there at China Coat 2020 was was fantastic. And we shared some pictures via our social media. It was, it was a really exciting trade show to be part of, which is surprising in that kind of industry. And, and I think one difference is that our client really focused on adding webinars to that mix. Yeah. So maybe in the past, it would have been a nice to have, but we're not really sure how it works. Yeah. Now it's a must have. Yeah. So I think that could be then the prediction of the trend. We're going to see these exhibitions take place, but they're going to have a significant virtual element to them as well so that they can be more all-encompassing for people to attend. So we saw some of our Western partners rushing towards virtual exhibition spaces in, in 2020. We've seen China, particularly in the B2B, claw back that kind of offline exhibition i think what our prediction is that we're going to see it's going to be a mixture of the two moving forward i totally agree so there you have it that's our predictions for china marketing 2021 and we'd love to hear yours Don't forget to follow us on our social media. You can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Brandigo underscore global and on Facebook at Brandigo Global. We'd love to hear what your predictions are too. So once you've checked out the show, don't forget to leave your comments and tell us what you think is going to be big for this year. We'll be back next month with episode five. Thanks for listening.